Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Luke chapter two, verse eight says this. I'm gonna read it and then we'll pray. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good noise. (laughs) Good noise. (laughs) Sorry, angels. I bring you some good noise, baby. All right, that's the message. Um, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. That's news and joy together. Great noise. All right. Uh, bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and a baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Father, we love you today. And our lives are transformed by Jesus. We can't thank you enough. We would be in such darkness and such disaster and such hopelessness if it were not for Jesus. And so at Christmas time, we celebrate Jesus, but it's Christmas all year round because we're so grateful. And today, Lord God, we come yet again and we ask that you would open up your word to us. We pray that those who have been discouraged or those who feel far from God would get fresh hope today. I pray your kingdom come in our lives. We pray that the good news of the gospel of Jesus would transform us. We love you. And Radiant Church said, amen. amen. I love uh, Christmas and I love uh, all the decorations I actually do. I, I, I really enjoy Kansas City specifically because we have the plaza here and the, the plaza is pretty cool. I, I really like how everything is like the lights go on. It's, it's planned. It's down to the second. It's, it's perfect. It's nice. I really like the way that uh, there's, there's a big culture here of, of putting lights on houses and wreaths on houses. Personally, I lack at that. Uh, I'm not great at that, but I really like it. I like all the decorations and things look nice and things look good. I want to talk to you, though, about these shepherds who would have been about as far from an outer appearance of looking good, feeling good, things look great and are great. Because one of the great stories, one of the great underpinning ideas that exists in the Christmas story is that the angels appear not to those who had everything perfect, not to those who had all their ducks in a row, everything right, but it came to the shepherds and the shepherds were ones who often couldn't vote, couldn't go to certain parts of the temple. 
The shepherds were seen as outcasts. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them may have had a history of, of being criminals or thieves. And so the angels show up and the declaration is to the outsider. The declaration that we just read, the good news about Christ being born, Jesus coming to earth, it's not said to people that have everything pretty and tight. It's to those who need hope because their lives are messed up. And I love the Christmas season because the story of Jesus comes to those who today in this very room know your lives feel a little bit messed up. Like, like well, I love to sing the Christmas carols and I like that there's lights up here and I, I like that we've got all these different things. I've been to Christmas parties this week. It's amazing. I love all of it. But the great news is that in the midst of whatever messy scenario you're in, there is hope. There is hope because of the Christmas story, because of Jesus. And I want to talk about that because of the week that I had. Because this week I talked to a friend of mine. Uh, she's uh, about 30, and her husband was one of my dear friends. And uh, I actually performed, uh, I was officiated their wedding. They were both in our internship. And incredible, incredible, great young couple, and served in ministry. I love them. Two little kids. But she's a widow at this Christmas. And, and man, it's hard, you know? Like, she lost her husband. And, and so I'm just, I'm just trying to just breathe some life, give her some hope. And, and you know, the hope to offer her is not, hey, let's, let's talk about how it's going to be all right financially or the economy or there's not a whole lot of hope coming forth around how you look or clothes or there's not a lot of hope around some of the things that tend to be our false hopes. No, the pipeline of hope that I'm trying to breathe into her is the good news. There's really one and it's just Jesus. It's like Jesus is your hope. And I was talking to a buddy of mine this week, incredible guy, and he was talking to me about his anxiety. And he was talking about just all, he was, he was talking about his job. And he was talking about how he feels the weight at his job, that it's such pressure, that he lives close to depression. And, you know, as I'm talking to him on the phone, I, 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 I don't have a, a hope that his job's going to change because it's not. I mean, he's, maybe it gets a little better, but that is his career path and that is the career that he chose. And so the hope is not external circumstance is about to be shifted, brother, and it's going to be all right. No, no, no. The hope is, my brother, I got one thing to tell you, and it's, it's, it's there's a hope in Christ and in, in, in Jesus, the living God, taking up a dwelling place in you. Jesus possesses all strength, and Jesus has all comfort, and Jesus has all power, and I, I only... I can give you some practical advice, but I don't have anything really to offer than to just help you kind of refix your eyes on Jesus and meditate on how Jesus has been faithful throughout history and Jesus is good. Maybe tell you just to kind of get your thought life wrapped around Jesus. And really the only conversation that I could have, the only thing that I could point to 
was, was Jesus, that's really it. And just one more, there's one more conversation that I had this week where I talked to a buddy of mine, mid-30s, and all of a sudden his career is changing and he finds himself with no paycheck at all this Christmas. And so he called me too. And man, it's like, all right, brother, well, all right, what, what, <laughs> where do you point him? You, you, you point him that things might, maybe there's going to be a, a financial breakthrough, maybe, maybe, I, I don't know. All those things are open. I, I don't have an answer. I just, I got one thing to offer and I got one thing to communicate. I got one thing to herald. I got one thing to tell. I got a little bit of good news that has been told to me and, and you know this, but here is the good news at Christmas. It, it's, there's, there's some other hopes that you could put your hope in. You could put your hope in maybe a new job's going to turn the thing around or you could put your hope in maybe that you're going to hear some information from somebody that knows something. Maybe, maybe there's a, a, a temporary financial gift that someone gives you. There's a whole lot of things I could say, but I found myself saying the same thing yet again. And it's just, hey, I don't have an answer other than that our hope, our hope is in Jesus and Jesus is good. And, and here you've got this great story of shepherds. Outcasts. Shepherds were not the ones who had everything right. Shepherds were not the one on that night who had the big bank account. They were not the ones, <laughs> based upon their career path, they were the ones who were scrapping. And I think that today, if you're here today, I want you to know this, that the story of Christmas for you. The story is, it, the festivities are wonderful, but the festivities are just to kind of celebrate a reality. The reality is that our world, hundreds of years without a prophetic voice, and ever since hundreds of years, people dark and trying to figure out how to hear God and Where's a prophetic voice that will lead us? And we need hope. And then the angelic choir shows up and speaks to outsiders and says, there's hope. And the hope is not an external circumstance. The hope is not that you finally get that relationship right or that you get that bank account right or that you finally get that commitment to fitness right here's what it is it's jesus it's that it's that unto you is born this day a savior a savior and so man can be right with god because god sent his son and man can have relationship with god because god sent his son and you can have a present tense relationship with God, because God sent his son, and not just present, but for eternity, you can walk in relationship with Jesus, and so you have hope to know God. You have hope for an eternity, and the good news is that in this season, it's, it's got all kinds of challenges, 
And those challenges, I'm gonna call them this morning storms, those storms may not cease. And you can name that in your own life. This storm that you're facing, the scenario that sounds, seems challenging, but here it is. It's in the midst of your storm. Your hope is not to be, maybe the storm will just stop. It's, no, it's, it's where we're gonna go today is that Hebrews says that Jesus is my hope and I'm anchored, I'm anchored to Christ. And whatever storm, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, and I don't know what yours are. You know, like, it's, just, it's weird. I mean, being a pastor is weird because people call you and you're just trying to figure it out. And, and you're like, you wish you, wish you could, I mean, it's kind of like <laughs> one string fiddle. Like, it's the same answer. It's just look to Jesus. And, I, and I'm just wrestling with it today. Like, man, I, I, it, I, wish, I wish that there was some kind of answer that, I thought, I mean, sometimes it's easy to think, man, what if we had, we could just fix everybody's circumstance. But then I was thinking, maybe, maybe the storms that we're facing, they're never the most fun, but they're always the most fruitful. Like you come out of that storm and if, if, if you're anchored to Christ and Jesus is your hope and you can come out of that storm with a relationship with a confidence and with a hope in Christ, then you win. And so I want to, I want you on, on this Sunday morning to simply kind of lock in with my hope, my hope this Christmas, it, it's, it's Jesus and the constant temptation in America because we have so much is to just say, I'll fix these other things and I'll put my attention on getting these other things right and then I'll be okay. And the only problem is that you're still going to have storms. You're, the, the strength that you possess is the good news that Christ has come and your anchor is him. And so I'm thinking about these angels visiting these shepherds and I love I love the hope that suddenly exists in the outcasts. And you can just see it in the text because you can just feel the excitement. It's, they say, hurry, let's go to Bethlehem. And then they see Jesus and then they proclaim what they've seen. And there's almost like the heart beating faster. Why? Hope, hope. And today maybe Jesus can become your hope in a way that right now you know it intellectually, but maybe you can grow in knowing it in your heart. Maybe there can be greater revelation of what it means. Christ is our hope. Unto us is some hope that comes. Matthew chapter four. I like the way Matthew says this. It says, this was to fulfill, he's quoting Isaiah nine. Matthew says this. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah, the prophet. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness and saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land in the shadow of death, upon them a light has dawned. 
I was reading this text, it was kind of funny because Zebulun and Naphtali, when I read that, all I can think of is buses because I went to a Christian school as a child and the names of the buses were Zebulun, Naphtali, and Issachar. That's how Christian school I was. So I always thought it was Zach and Natalie, just cool names when I was a kid and only later found out it was 12 tribes of Israel, Zebulun and Naphtali. But anyway, that's what that is. And maybe you see buses too, but uh, I love this text because here, catch, catch the picture. Catch the picture here in Isaiah 9. It's this phrase that I want to highlight that the people were sitting in darkness and saw a great light. It's this idea of sitting in darkness, like like hopeless. Like I don't know where to go, so you just have a seat. I don't have hope. I don't know what to do. And when you're in darkness, you can't see the light. They just have a seat. Stop moving. Stop Stop going anywhere. This is oftentimes a lot of us when we get our eyes off Christ, we get our eyes off the light. We just, we lose hope and we just quit. Sometimes in dialogue with people, the, the, the hope is gone. And when the hope is gone, it's just this resolution to just stop, just quit, just stop moving. And so I want us today to kind of get our eyes back on Jesus, see the light, because when you've got hope, you'll, you'll move, you'll, you'll move toward the light, you'll move toward what God's got for you. We know it in sports, right? You watch a, a team that loses hope, that doesn't think they can win anymore, and they lose the hustle. They just, they, it, it's just done. They, 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 they start to quit. And I want to invite you not to quit. I want to invite you not to be hopeless. I want to invite you this morning to kind of refix your eyes on Jesus and get this vision that whatever storm, whatever hardship, you be the shepherd, whatever, whatever you've got going on in your life, I want you to see hope today. I want to invite you to see unto you comes a savior. Unto you comes some hope. People often feel hopeless when they feel powerless. But unto you comes one who possesses all power. Unto you comes one who is king. Unto you comes one. And so, yeah, your circumstances might be a little bit off. You might be walking through that storm. Hebrews 6, 19 is where we get this great language of the storm. It says this. He writes, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It's the language Hope being an anchor. So it's the picture, author in Hebrews saying, my, my hope, it's, it's an anchor. It's storms, storms come to push me, take me different directions, but I'm, I'm anchored in Jesus. And so I've got hope. And so this, this, in the midst of whatever storm, there's hope. And that's, Oftentimes we want to resign and say, yeah, yeah, but you don't know my story. I just, that, that's very common. That's often what we say. Lock in today. Doesn't matter your storm. At Christmas, unto you is a savior who is the hope of the world. And he possesses all power. 
There's no battle, there's no storm, there's no problem, there's no bill, there's no relationship problem, there's no anxiety, there's no depression, there's no fear, there's nothing. It's too big for him. And so, man, I want to invite you to make that phone call, but I want to make sure to make that phone call to Jesus. <laughs> I want to invite you as your pastor to go, ah, yeah, I'm going to first get my eyes, fix my eyes on him. I'm going to hit on a few ideas here. How, how do I get hope? How do I, how do I grow in hoping in Christ where I look to him? This is the first one. I want to give you this, this Old Testament story. There's, there's so many in the life of Jesus, but I, I want to get this story and I, just, I want you to hear just this prayer, all right? First idea, how do I grow in hope? How does hope become a reality in my life? How do I become a hopeful person and not a hopeless person? How do I live that way? Number one is this, fix your eyes on God in your storm. Real simple, but real, real, real hard to live. And we tend to fix our eyes on the storm. No, no, no. I gotta, I gotta figure out my problem. I gotta, I gotta figure out the bill. I gotta figure out the issue. I gotta read the self-help book. I got the problem, the problem, the problem. Hold on a second. Let's back up. Who's the one who possesses all power? Who's the one who has in a second can help, help me think, change circumstance, works supernaturally. It's high belief that God is active. God is with us. And look at this story. I love this story because of one prayer, one phrase at the end. And it's a story of God giving victory to Israel. I'm not gonna read the whole story, the whole battle. I just want you to get the prayer because the prayer is my favorite part. Look at this. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse one. After this, now this is long, so get ready. We're gonna read a lot and I'll probably say some of these ites words wrong. After this, the Moabites and the Amorites with some of the Menuites. Uh, Menuites, like restaurants, um, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazan Tamir, uh, like that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Okay, problem. What do I do? Battle coming against me. Inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. All right. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the, of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon and Moab and Mount, and Mount Seir whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade. 
And when they came from Egypt, so they turned away from them and did not destroy them. So how they, how they are repaying us is by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Here it is. And we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Ah, what a prayer. God gives the victory. It's a lot more verses. I want you to see first right there. We look to God, call the fast. I look to you, simple answer. How do I grow in hope? I don't know what to do, God, but my eyes are on you. What a prayer. Is this not your prayer? week in and week out, over and over again. Business, parenting, marriage, decisions, rejection, and it's constant decisions. Here's the hope. God, my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do. I don't have the intellectual capacity. I don't know. I don't, but in the midst of my situation, God, my eyes are on you. I want to invite you to get this. Number one, how do I grow in hope? Fix your eyes on God, not the storm. It's tempting to talk about the storm, talk about the problems, talk about the storm. This is the way that the wind is coming. This is what she said. This is what he said. Well, about God, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know, no, no, no. I know you know. Let's talk about it. Get that prayer life. Get those eyes beholding. I'm going to think on my eyes are on him in the midst of the storm. David says, surely everyone around goes around like a mere phantom. In vain, they rush about helping, uh, heaping up wealth without knowing what it, it will finally be. But now here's the prayer. Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Why? God, my hope is in you. My eyes are on you. I don't know what to do. I don't have a clue. Phase one, hope to grow in hope. Desire to grow in hope. Want to grow in hope? Get your eyes on the one who has power to bring change. Get your eyes on him. The, the constant phrase in our culture is, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. It used to be, how are you? Fine. Now nobody says fine. They say busy, right? Okay. Here's the idea. God, I'm looking to you, and I'm going to intentionally not use busyness as my excuse. No, God, my eyes are on you in the midst of this storm, this anxiety, this loss of a spouse, this fear, this loss of a job, this financial concern, this disappointment in my children, this disappointment in my friends, this pain. <sighs> All right. My eyes are on you. Look at this. Number two is this. Meditate on God's faithfulness. Hope is rooted in the faithfulness of God. Hebrews 10 reads like this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. If you believe in your core that God is faithful, hope will begin to abound. 
if the faithfulness of God is a part of your story, a part of your narrative, a part of your soapbox, a part of what you like to talk about, you will watch hope swell in your heart. And so the faithfulness of God, how do I get that? Man, last week we, I talked about, hey, get the gospels inside of you. Like get to know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and get those stories and be able to articulate who are Jesus' siblings and what were the miracles that Jesus performed? What did he say? Now I wanna encourage you today, man. You wanna know that God is faithful? Man, get some of those Old Testament narratives that you can see God at work in storm upon storm. Get to see, (laughs) how did Moses see God be faithful? How did Gideon see God be faithful? How did Noah see God be faithful? How How did David, I mean, pick your story and get that to be on your tongue far more than the latest Netflix binge, far more than the rerun episodes. Man, you've got those inside of you. You've got the faithfulness of God. God, you were faithful to those people. Name them. You're faithful to Noah. You're faithful to David. You're faithful to Jehoshaphat. I mean, you're faithful. You'll be faithful to me. That is who you are. You are good. And because you're good, you're faithful. God, I can believe. I can stand in the midst of a hopeless situation according to man's eyes, but because of God possess hope. And the stories of the Old Testament, stories in the scriptures in the New Testament, I mean, get your own stories. Remind yourself. These are the stories of how God has been faithful in the past. These are the ways that you've come through in the past. And you can read stories in the Old Testament when they come in to pray like that. Weren't you the God that did this? Weren't you the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Aren't you the God? God hasn't forgotten who he is. But people need the, the reminder so that I can have hope for the future. I look back to the past of God's faithfulness so that I can look to the future of his future faithfulness and I can have hope. Oh, yeah, God. You've been faithful to me and name them. Here's how you're faithful to me, God. Here's what you've done. I was messed up and you found me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was a wretch. I was far from God and you saved me. Do you get that? Oh God, you've been faithful before. You'll start to have hope about his faithfulness in the future. And then I wanna invite you to get around some relationships. That's why we do small groups here because those testimonies of other people and you get that into, into part of who you are. You've got the faithfulness of God to others where you see it. Tell me that story again. How, what did God do this week? What did God do this year? And that's one of my favorite things about being a pastor is right after the service, I'll have people that will come up and they'll tell me stories. Oh yeah, you said that. You know what? God did that to me seven years ago. And you know what? In my business, I mean, God provided and you told that story about how God, God's provided for me before. And there's this life that comes. And so for me, I go, oh God, you're not just faithful to me. You're faithful to them. And in the midst of whatever storm that you're in today, I want you to know he is faithful. And there's faithfulness in the scriptures. There's faithfulness in your story. He's been faithful to you. He's been faithful to people around you. And I like to just get these in me. I like to just, I like to get around people that have seen the faithfulness of God. When I went to plant this church, (laughs) we were the 600th church plant by an organization called the Association of Related Churches. And so since 2001, and so I went to other church planners. I just want to hear the story. Like I'm about to take a big fat risk of faith and I'm hoping that God comes through 
tell me how God came through for you. And then I just make that my prayer. Oh God, you're the God of Aaron Stern. He survived. You can do it again. Oh God, you're the God of Lee Cummings. You helped him. You can do it again. You did it in Kalamazoo. You can do it in Kansas City. You did it in Fort Collins. You can do it in Kansas City. God, you were faithful to Ross in a God-forsaken place called Texas. You can do it again in Kansas City. If you can do it there, you can do it in the promised land of Kansas City, God. Like I just, get those stories, okay? God, you did it in the people in your small group. Get those testimonies. Okay, you've been, you've been faithful. And that's the, what the writer of Hebrews says here. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. You can have hope because he's faithful. How do I grow my, how do I grow my hope, David? Well, get your eyes on God. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Well, get the faithfulness of God as a part of what you talk about, what you think about. And then look at this last one. This is just fun. And this is just the psalmist. And I just want you to just to hear this verse, famous verse. Psalm 42 says it in verse five. He says again in verse 11, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed? Let's take that word disturbed and just put in what you, how you're disturbed today. Like, why so, why my soul downcast? Why so disturbed? Why so angry within me? Why so bitter within me? Why so jealous? Why so fearful? Why so scared? Why so ticked? Why so, why so hurt? Why so envious? Just whatever you're disturbed about. Why, why so annoyed? Why so disturbed within me? Then the psalmist says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Last one is this. Fill your internal conversation with hope. Get your internal conversation, your thought life on God. The number one person that you listen to is yourself. Like the voice that you listen to the most <laughs> is your own because your brain is always working. Your brain's going right now. You're thinking about if you like this sermon or not, what you think about the decorations. Some of you are thinking about Chipotle. Some of you, I just brought you in for the first time. You've clued out for 10 minutes, but your brain is always, you're always thinking. And here's the psalmist. And he's saying, why so disturbed within me? And it's like, he's having this internal conversation. Put your hope in God. Come on, baby. Come on. It's a coach. It's a, I, I have decided I'm not going to live with the false hopes of the culture to be my ultimate hope. My ultimate hope is resolute. My ultimate hope is decided. It is not the false hope of the economy and it is not the false hope of how good I look or my clothes or that all my circumstance be right or that my bank account be, those are not, my hope is not those things. I have decided my hope is in God, in God. So say it to yourself. So come on, David, why so disturbed within me? Why so angry within me? Why so envious within me? Why so mad? Why so afraid? Why so, put your hope in God. You wanna grow in hope? Man, Get your eyes on God. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Get the faithfulness of God, his resume in your heart, in your mind, and talk about it. And then just every 
every, every, it's not just every day. It's almost every hour to every minute. There's this battle over your thought life. And it's this, all right, come on, David, put your hope in God. And I just want to conclude with this. This is Paul's prayer. He says this, Romans 15, 13, and may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What's that language? Paul prays for the Roman church to overflow with hope. <laughs> like not just a glimmer of hope, overflowing. What would happen if Radiant was a church where there was so much hope, eyes on Jesus? <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'm all right. The world goes, you're crazy. You don't have all your ducks in a row. I'm all right. Why? Well, my hope is in God. He's been faithful. He's at work. He does stuff. And I don't care how disturbing things come along. Come on. I'm going to put my hope in him. And here's the vision. A radiant church, so filled with hope, looks at tomorrow and laughs. I love that. I know it's Proverbs 31 talking about like a, a, a godly wife that laughs at tomorrow. I'm just going to put that as the bride of Christ. Like what happens if we just laugh at tomorrow because our God just gives us hope. Our God gives us a future. Our God is powerful. Our God, there is good news unto you as a savior. You've got a relationship with the King of Kings. You've got the God of all gods, the Lord of all lords, the Prince of Peace, and he's at work in you. Boy, this changes everything. And so as your pastor, I want to encourage you. Here's the phone call. Hey, I know you're going through something. I know I can't know every problem in this room, but I do know the answer. Sorry. When you when you walk with people, and people go through challenges, real pain, and you just wanna you wanna get real and go. There's only one answer, and it's it's not that the storm. I, I can't I can't calm the storm. I can't tell you how to calm the storm. I can only tell you how to get your anchor so deep that you've got hope and a savior in your storm. God, you're our hope today. We love you. Every marriage that needs hope today, I pray for hope. Every parent that needs hope today in Christ, I pray for hope. Every person who's facing the loss of a job or some kind of financial pressure that's tempted to live with perpetual anxiety. People who have lost husbands, wives, children, parents. Pray that you be their hope. We pray for hope today. Jesus, your hope. You're, you're, you're what we've got. In whatever storm we're in today, we're rooted, we're anchored, 
Storm's not going to take us down. We're going to survive it. We want to thrive in it. Oh, the, the thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. Not because the circumstance got any better. Christ is with us. Today, if you need hope, if your life is hopeless, you need the power of Jesus. Following him is the greatest decision. He'll bring you hope. He's our living, working, walking, talking, breathing, miracle-working hope. If you need hope today, you need Jesus today. And if you want to begin a journey with Jesus, it's a covenant relationship. It's what we've, it's what's transformed our lives. I want to invite you just to pray this with me. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I give you my life. Be my hope. Be my future. Save me and heal me and redeem me and change me that I might know you, that I might walk with you. Do a fresh work in me, God. I give you my life. Save me from sin. Save me from self. Save me from everything that tries to destroy me. Be my God. Be my Lord. And be my hope. In Jesus' name.